This episode of the Golf.com podcast is brought to you by the USGA. We are just three weeks away from the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills in Wisconsin. For more information on that event, visit usopen.com. Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck back for another podcast for The Knockdown. You may have noticed they're coming fast and furious right now. Thanks for keeping up. Uh, I do appreciate it. I'm delighted that our guest this time around is Keegan Bradley, winner of the 2011 PGA Championship, a Ryder Cup stalwart with uh, Phil Mickelson and his partner. And I had Phil on the first podcast of the year, and he took a few jabs at Keegan. I went went up to to Keegan on the putting green at Torrey Pines to warn him what Phil had said. And he's like, oh man, I already listened to that. That was messed up. So I thought that we should have Keegan on here to, to speak his piece. So... Thanks for doing this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, for sure. <laughs> so as you know, Phil came on this podcast a few months ago, and he kind of roughed you up a little bit, and we'd like to open the floor to you for a rebuttal. Well, unfortunately, most of Phil's stories are fabricated and not true, <laughs> and very not the truth. This one is exactly right. I remember that exact moment, because I was I play these matches against him, and I want to beat him so bad, and when he gets me I actually get pissed and that was one of those moments where he still like literally I saw a guy who works for our management company in the uh, lunch today and he referenced the story from five years ago again today all of his people bring it up let's remind the the listeners what we're referring to so it was me and Steely versus I think Ricky and Phil here at uh, players Sawgrass and on the 12th hole he had 15 feet I had 12 Steely and I were two up and he said, all right, here's the deal. This is one of his – he has to get everyone's attention and before we putt. Here's the deal. This is for the match. If I make mine and he loves this, you're going to quick lip yours and I'm, we're going to win the match. Now, if I miss and you make, your guys are going to win the match. So, sure enough, he makes it and I have this brutal lip out. And we lose. We lost the match at 17. It crushed us. Uh, <laughs> So it was horrible. I, it's, we were, oh, it's, it's, you laugh about it now. We were pissed. I mean, Phil, he's, he's underrated given the needle. People see his, his public persona as this, you know, thumbs up, plastic Ken doll smile. But when you get him out between the ropes, he's, he's a trash talker like no, none other, right? Yeah, totally. I remember we were in the final group at Phoenix on Saturday uh, a couple of years ago. Just me and him and I think might have been threesomes, but we uh, – we were walking up the first, and I looked over, and I'm going, I'm going to kick your ass today. And he goes, well, you better bring your best. This is this is when he was, like, up by five. And yeah. I remember he was playing. He shot. Almost shot. It's 59, we, right? Yeah. yeah. And we, we were chirping all, the whole way around. It's totally fun. It's There's no seriousness about it. But it's it's really fun to mix it up with him. He's one of the best. Who else on tour can, can you talk to like that in the heat of competition? Well, Cooch is a big – Cooch, Cooch likes to – joke around but when i play with duffner when we when we play uh we chirp at each other he's he can be brutal too duff is duff is sneaky brutal probably the most brutal of all of them but (laughs) can uh, can you give me a choice remark um i don't know i i just i just know like he'll say things that you wouldn't even imagine saying like we'll be out playing and and he'll talk about how some it's it's hard to explain but he'll go you know, I say something like, I saw you missed this putt or something earlier. And it's just funny. It's actually so over the top, it makes you laugh. 
I was actually out with him and, and Dustin at, at Doral the first year after the remodel for a practice round. And I was just walking with them. And I can't remember what hole it was. Dustin's trying to decide between a three-wood and a driver. He hits a three-wood into the lake, then busts a driver, like 380 down the middle. And we're walking off, and Duff just says very quietly, I like the three-wood. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's perfect. That's yeah. tough to a, to a T. <laughs> yeah. So I, I know around South Florida you get in some money games. G- give me a good story of, of uh, away from the tour, something that funny that happened. Well, what's incredible about Bears Club, where, where I play in Jupiter – there's literally 30 tour pros. So any given day, you can get groups on groups of matches. So, you know, we, we'll go, we'll show up, and all of a sudden we'll have eight, ten guys. In, at, in certain times of the year, in the summer, you can play tensums. You can play eightsums. And we'll all go out and play, you know, Game of Wolf or, or anything. It's 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 very unique experience because it's kind of similar like going to a tour event. But it's not. Everyone's in shorts and you're hanging out and you're, yeah. you can do whatever you want. So um, it's really good for everybody's game. What kind of stakes are we talking about in these things? I mean, it varies for like for most of us. I know this is not the answer everyone wants to hear. It doesn't matter what the stakes are. Like yeah. I'll play against my buddies for $20. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes other guys for way more. And it's the same. Like I, I won't – and it's the same for everybody. It, it's not what the public wants to hear. You want to hear, oh, we're playing for this and it's crazy, but it's the same intensity. We don't, I mean, I'm not worried about taking money off other guys, but I want to be able to go to Phil in the locker room and remind him that <laughs> I smoked him the day before. That's the best part. Yeah, no doubt. Now, where, where does Jordan fit into this? Because he's a guy who likes to like some action. Yeah, he's uh, unequivocally loves the game more than anybody I've ever met. I mean, it is insane. He loves to play golf. I mean, I think I love to play golf. I'm at the course all day. He is won't will not miss a day. Just this past week, it was rainy in Jupiter. We were supposed to play, and it's thundering, and and there was a chance we could go up to Medalist in the afternoon. And thinking, there's no way he's going to want to drive 30 minutes it's later in the day. And he's just like, yeah, let's go. Let's 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 go. When are we going? He's so excited to play. And we get there at 1:30. And we play the first 18 thinking oh, we're done. It's yeah. 3.30, And we're going straight to another. He only plays 36. And um, it's so fun to be out there with him. He's such a fun guy to be around. I've never met a superstar, like a guy like him that is so normal. Like he, he's a guy that when you first look at him, it almost looks like you're looking at like a cartoon because you grow up watching him. And then to be able to talk to him and hang out with him and, mess around with them it's just the best don't take this the wrong way but you know not the f- if you made a list of tour players to become best friends with michael jordan you might not be at the very top of that list right, so yeah how did this whole thing happen i honestly i think it's the love of of golf yeah. i uh he i i just i feel like it's very hard for me to find somebody that loves the game as much as i do and there's a few guys out here john kern who i play with who i grew up with went to high school with he's the same we're let's think that's why we've come so close is there's not a day where we're not going to go to the course. There's not a day where we're like, all right, we're going to go up for an hour. and We'll go there for the whole day. We play. And that's how MJ is. Loves it. And he loves he loves a good game, a good gambling game. But he's even more so. He'll play, he plays my friends for 10 bucks, And he'll play you for whatever you want. So, And then he likes to go out there and mix it up and joke around and yap and yap. And um, guys who can give it to him, I think he enjoys. <laughs> So one of Jordan's buddies told me one time that 
he took so much money off you. They wouldn't open the gate to the house until you wrote him a check. Me? Yes, you. No, that's not true. That's not true. No, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons why that's not true. Number one, he would never beat me for a lot. Number two, he would never accept the check. Checks aren't allowed to be. Well, it was so, it was so much money. Like, who, who's got, you know. That is Unequi- that is, there is no truth to that at all. Dang. Zero. Zero, so, zero, zero, zero percent true. I pictured you like ramming into the gate, you no. know. Oh, my they goodness. They got the clicker. You have to pull out a pen. <laughs> His favorite thing is if the person he's playing doesn't have enough money to pay him. He just loves, whether it's $5 or more, it's, but that story's not true. Oh, dang. <laughs> so what's with the shoes? I mean, where are we going with this? Are you going to be the only Jordan guy out here forever? No, I mean, I I don't know what, what Jordan is going to do. But for me, I've, I grew up loving the Jordan brand. Uh, I grew up loving Michael Jordan. He's my favorite athlete ever. I, I remember specifically when he was coming back and he was playing his first game with the Wizards. I was at school. I couldn't wait. I couldn't sleep. <laughs> I was so excited for the game. And I became friends with him. And I just one day said do you have any interest in doing golf shoes? He's like, yeah, I really want to do it. And he, we helped each other out. I helped him with the technical side of, you know, what I, what a tour pro would need, a real golfer would need for a golf shoe. And he helped me with this incredible knowledge of shoes. Like it's so mind boggling. What goes into what Jordan does to make shoes is so cool. It's just the same as when we go out in the range and get a driver dialed in. I mean, if I want the tongue of my shoe to be a little longer so that when it rains, it doesn't go in, they do it. Interesting. Um, And I personally believe that your shoes are a very important part of your golf. I see guys all the time switching shoes in in tournaments. I can't believe it. I have the exact height on my shoes on every shoe that's made down to the whatever inch it is. And, um, And these guys have such a passion. And... It's it's been fun to see what goes into how they make a shoe because you realize why they're so successful. Meaning, if, if a guy changes from one pair to another, it could just be fractionally different height away oh, from the ball. It's incredible. I, I I can notice it if I if I I tested shoes before this before yeah. the Jordan, and I had every company seven pair shoes, and there were some pairs I couldn't. They were too low. Some were too high. Some were too soft. I like a really firm shoe and. Um, for me, it's the only constant you have. It, maybe your golf ball and your shoes are that you have every day. You switch your irons and your this, but um, it's an important part of my equipment. I've actually never really thought about it. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> that's my problem. I think it could be. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, Pat Perez pays like retail for his his Jordan golf shoes. Does he ever like beg you to send him stuff? Yeah, he's he, Perez is a bigger Jordan head than I am. Yeah. He's like he buys these little. Uh, I don't even know how to explain it. When you buy a new pair of Jordans, it comes in a gold, like a silver chain with a Jordan logo, and like right. he buys these things on eBay. That I, I just the chain, mind. yeah, just the chain. And so <laughs> you come across these guys. He is. I always tell MJ about Perez because he's the real deal. Like he loves Jordan shoes. Well, I was just at his house. He has an entire yeah. wall. It's like a museum of, of yeah, his Jordans. Yeah, I mean, this what people pay for shoes it's incredible it's an investment for a lot of these guys not for yeah. him but it's he's he's a very knowledgeable guy about jordans and um 
Yeah, he knows more than I do for sure. Yeah, oh no, he's bitter. He's yeah. like, he's like fucking Keegan Bradley. I, I should be the Jordan guy. Yeah, well, he's wearing them now. Yeah, and he's doing well in them. So I'm glad. I'm glad he's doing that. <laughs> do you have some vintage pair of Jordans you've picked up that are have like a real street value? Well, I have at my house the first editions of the golf shoes. Yeah, where I'll never sell them. I'd never. I want to keep them. I actually have a plan to someday display the different but they we went through probably 10 pairs before the ones that i wear now the tech the technical side of it and i have those which original jordans of any whether they're the basketball or that is pretty pretty serious thing to have and do you have input can you tell them yeah i'm wearing this gray and turquoise outfit can you can you hook me up with some shoes the mats yeah oh totally i uh with i wear travis matthew clothes and they'll actually talk they'll like if i have a scripted for like a major or something they'll send my script over and then jordan will match them up or if i'm at the arnold palmer and i i wanted to do some tribute to arnold palmer i came up with a few things i wanted to put in to do all of that they'll do they'll do whatever I give them. I like to have them do it because they like they like to what they come give to They're me better always works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but if I go to a Ryder Cup or uh, what's really cool is they have this thing called elephant print, and from a distance it looks like it's just crazy designs, but it actually says words in it that only I know. There's like my parents' names and stuff like that, and that's oh, nice. that's really really cool. And that's on every pair. That's a special thing. Yeah, that's on Mark Smith who designs the shoes. He's been with Jordan forever he'll his thing is elephant print and so a lot of times i'll show up with these crazy shoes and they look weird then if you pull them up close it'll say woodstock vermont or <laughs> 2011 pj champion or my dad's name my, my wife's name stuff like that does he surprise you do you like not know what's coming yeah he will he'll he'll go see if you can find some some stuff a lot of my favorite jordan quotes and um stuff like that he's actually made me a canvas of it all it's it's really it comes in these don't have them but they they have a lot of a lot of stuff goes on with, with the basketball players too. They like a story that you can tell in your shoes. Yeah, that is only known to the player, which is which is fun. That's amazing. That's like trying to find the the little rabbit on the Playboy cover. You know, it's always yeah. like buried in the girl's hair yeah, or something. So he actually one time made me a pair. I well, I didn't. I never wore them because yeah. I thought it was so cool. He they're in my office in my house. There, it's a maze. And you can actually do the maze through the thing to get to the other side. And I thought they were so cool. I never wore them. <laughs> Don't do it with a Sharpie. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> That's real. Uh, wow. That's like next level. Yeah. Do you know that every person who listens to this podcast is going to be staring at your feet with great interest? I know it. I know it. I, I, it's, it's been the most fun part of my thing that I've done since I've turned pro. Um, they, just to be associated with MJ, you feel a lot of responsibility to look. Put the work in. If you're wearing his logo, you owe it to him to to put the work in and do what you got to do. And it carries a lot of weight. I mean, I know that you, you care so deeply about your career. You're not just one of those guys who just kind of turns up and whatever happens, happens. You go on to the next week. So obviously you haven't had the results you've wanted the last few years. How are you, how are you handling that frustration? Well, it's, it's, it's ups and downs. It's, you know, I – Everybody, Phil is always telling me you got to enjoy the the journey. You got to enjoy the 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 work you put in to get back. And there's there's I'm I'm fine when I'm working. Then if I'm watching somebody win a major or any time at the end of a tournament and watching somebody win, but especially the majors, that's when I 
it hurts. Like I can physically feel myself tense up. Um, but things are really getting better. And the putter situation was di- more difficult than I thought. And I feel like I'm on the other side of that now. So I'm enjoying it. I can't wait. I'm, I feel great um, put, having a good year. And if I keep putting the work in, it's going to happen. When you say it was more difficult, how much of that was just bitterness that the USGA came in and, and essentially took away your livelihood? Yeah, it part of it was that um, it 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 was it it was difficult because of I'm a practicer. I work I work pretty hard, and they took away hours of practice, thousands of hours. So I've ha- I've been having to gain those hours back. That. Rory or Ricky, these guys playing great. That I've given them a head start almost. Right. Uh, so, I'm, I'm gaining those hours back. It's getting better. Um, it's difficult. There's been times where I've been pressing, and obviously that doesn't work. So it's been a it's been a, a good balance to try to you know work on it and get better and not try too hard. That's the key, right? Because putting is so. I mean, there is the, there's the technical side of it, of course, but the, the more you're trying to will it into the hole, I don't think that works day oh, to day. It's, yeah, it's awful. I mean, I, if I have a week where I put, well, I finished in the top 10, pretty much, or a good solid finish, top 25 right now, if I can get my putting to a more consistent level where I'm in the top 100 in putting, I was around 40th with the belly. I'm a better ball striker now, better player now. If I can, my goal is to get inside the top hundred, and then we'll go from there. If I'm inside the top hundred, I'm I'm going to be in good shape. Yeah, when when you look back on the PGA Championship, does that seem like a different career ago? Yeah, it does. It's it's um it because it is it's, a lot has happened since yeah. then, but it's it does. That, I mean, that was a wild event. I remember just I was out there watching. It's like nobody nobody makes triple bogey and wins a PGA Championship. Yeah, especially on 15. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to me, that was the most resilient finish by a winner I've seen in a really long time. And does that kind of steal you for this this ongoing grind? Like, I've come back from worse than yeah. a small scale. Oh, totally. Yeah. I, uh, listen, I, I've, I've, every part of my career has been, I've had to work for it. I grew up in Vermont, I had a six to seven month season. Um, then I went to St. John's, which is not a big school. I, yeah. I, I had a little longer season, but not much. And I had to work my way out here. I didn't have any sponsor exemptions. I didn't have any money. I had to, I had to play the mini tours to make money to play. So, I know what it what it takes to work and come back and get back to where you need to be. And I'm doing that now. And it, it's listen. What I thought it would be quicker, yeah. But I'm there's there's a definite up uptick now as opposed to before. It really felt stagnant. Now I I'm much better now than I was a year ago. How tough was it to come to the golf course when you felt like no matter what you do, you're not going to putt well, and right, it's just it's just not there. It was it was difficult. I mean it, it's it's difficult for weird reasons too because you see your friends or guys you played on Ryder Cups or maybe guys that you were better than beating doing so well, and for me it's become almost a drug to feel that adrenaline and Sunday and you're there. And I miss that the most. And when I do put myself in a position to where I need to perform, it it still comes through. So it's just a matter of getting there. I know I'm not going to win every time. I know I'm not going to close it out. But 
every time, but just being there is so fun for me. It's what I live for. So that's what I crave the most. Does it almost feel like you're, you're excluded from the cool kids party when you're not getting the good tea times, you're not being shown on commercials? Like, does it hurt your ego as well? Yeah, totally. Sure it does. I mean, I, I, was, I talk about this all the time. I went, I went two, three years being in a featured pairing every week. And there was a buzz. There's a buzz around those pairings. It's, it's more fun for the players. It's more fun for even my parents to watch on TV. It's more fun in general because you all of a sudden on Thursday, Friday, you're almost in a Saturday, Sunday atmosphere. Yeah. Now I'm going out and you're, you're going off at 10 on the afternoon and there's nobody out there. And it's, it's difficult. Honestly, it's been difficult. So it's the, it's again, it's that like Phil always tells me, you got to enjoy the battle back because then, then when you get there, you can look back and go, that was all worth it. Yeah. Of course, easy to say when you've got forty plus totally, wins, five totally. majors in your own plane. But yeah, yeah, I remember I was I was flew Ernie was nice enough to fly me back from a tournament once. And he said, Keegan, I had the same thing happen to me in my career. I had a little in I forget what year he said. And he goes, I had the same sort of lull, same time in my career, same age. He goes, and you'll come back, you'll be fine. I go, What um uh, would you, what what sort of lull was it? He goes, well, I went from number one in the world to eighth in the world, and I was like, well, that's not <laughs> that's not that bad. But it made sense. It, it made me feel better. We laughed about it after. Well, I mean, now you're thirty. You're married. Uh, as a guy who's like an obsessive practicer, now do you have to be home for dinner at a certain time? I mean, how, well, how does life interfere with golf? Totally. Well, I'm lucky. My wife is. She gets it. And if I don't put the work in, I'm miserable. <laughs> so she knows. So if I if I go and don't feel like I've put enough time in, I literally am restless. I yeah. can't I can't enjoy myself. I can't if I'm out at dinner with some friends, I'm in the back of my mind I'm thinking, geez, I wish I did this today or you know, I wish I worked on this move a little more and or I'm or then and then it gets even crazier where I'm like, I'm not ready to play next week. I'm this this you're not putting the work in. Start so, panicking. Panicking. So uh <laughs> It's she, but in the the same side, she's really helped me have a life off the course where before it was, that was it. And that's, that's actually helped. If I didn't have that over this little lull, it would have been way worse. And now one quick message from the USGA. You may know the USGA for their 14 annual championships, which are widely regarded as the ultimate tests in golf. But there's more to the USGA than just the golf competitions. In fact, USGA scientists are currently working on what they call health of the game solutions. They're helping golf facilities reduce the reliance on water. The USGA innovation team has launched a resource management app that helps core superintendents better allocate their resources and ensure a better experience for golfers. That better experience is exactly what the USGA wants golf to be both now and 50 years down the line in the future. That's why they're also modernizing the game's rules in conjunction with the RNA over in Scotland. And with that, they want your help. Visit USGA.org to check out the list of proposed rules changes that are expected to go into effect January 1, 2019. You can share your feedback with golf's governing bodies there online and help them in their grassroots growing of the game. And now, back to Alan Shipnuck and Keegan Bradley. Now, PGA Tour weddings interest me, the, the politics of who gets invited and who doesn't. So how did you sort out among your colleagues who was going to get the nod? So I invite, I invited all of my close friends, 
and then all of Jill's close friends on the tour, which don't always match up. Right. Um, and then pretty much you invite the the Ryder Cup guys. <laughs> they're they're because you you really have a bond. It's yeah. really crazy. Yeah. And you expect that probably 80 90 percent of them aren't going to come because of the time of year it's in december it's one time yeah. off but um that's kind of how we did it so how many how many guys actually showed up let's see we had um steely came john steely and john were in my wedding my, yeah. my uh um luke donald camilla vajegas um phil came nice. which was incredible uh i think that was it for the for the for the tour pros but Geez, I hope I'm not forgetting anybody. But it was during Tigers tournament. Oh, yeah. So a lot of the guys on those Ryder Cup teams were playing. So it was, they couldn't come. And did, did you actually look at the tour schedule to pick uh, a weekend? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we also, everyone in my life was getting married at the same time. So yeah. we all kind of like, like the the week after the Ryder Cup was like, somebody <laughs> picked. I think Jamie got married then. Love Mark. Oh, Jamie Love Mark was there yeah. too. And, uh, then one of my buddies was getting married. Johnny got Curran got married, and then December third was the best date because of the tour schedule. And my buddies playing tour school, yeah, so, so they could come. So you prioritized your friends go through tour school over guys in Tigers event. Oh yeah, yeah. The guy, the tour school guys, my whole wedding party. That was most important. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, every wedding I go to, there's a golf outing right before. Did, did you guys go play on that Friday? Oh yeah, that was we played. Jeez, uh, if uh, we played played the whole week yeah we played we were gonna play the day of the wedding and that got shut down i'm glad we didn't i actually played we played the day of john curran's wedding yeah and we were so tired that we decided not to do that but we all got we all we went to medalist and we all played and we had like a two-man best ball and it was so fun everyone's out there it's very relaxed music going and it was fun so um I mean, Jillian's one of my favorite people on tour. She's just a sweetheart. And you definitely overachieved. She's quite yeah, an attractive girl. We, we yeah. can all agree. Yeah. She's a, sort of a staple of those, like, wag pictorials yeah. on every website. I, I, I've never asked a player this. Are you kind of, is that, do that make you feel good? Like, yeah, I'm hitting that. Or <laughs> are you kind of bothered that, you know, she's objectified in that man? No, I love it. As long as it's tasteful, as long as it's they're not being jerks about it. But yeah. I love it. She, We love it. We, I always, when I see something, I send it to her. <laughs> And we we laugh about it. It's fun. It's we we like it. I think it's fun. It's um, it's silly, but it's fun. Does it affect what you post on social media, knowing that it can it can take on its own life? If you guys are at the beach and she's in a bikini, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I don't I don't do much social media anymore, just because it's it's just brutal. Everybody's so brutal, but uh, for sure you got to think about, it, especially her, because yeah. that's that's normally that's normally what gets the wives and girlfriends' attention. It's if they post a picture of them on the beach or something yeah. and it goes viral or something like that you seem like the kind of guy that would enjoy the the repartee of, on social media but you just got tired of dealing with it i i do i i used to more i do, i do i like to post like i always post my new jordan shoes or yeah. new cleveland wedge or something but i i look at it a lot i that's where i get most of my news from and i like to look at my friends but i've i've stopped really doing it as much as I used to, just because it's no, no matter what you do or post, I guess you can now look at it and yeah. be easier, but sure. um, no matter what you do, it's you just I just get pounded by people. I don't, I, I realized one day it's not really worth it anymore to do this, but 
Do you make exceptions when a Boston sports team comes through? I know you like to talk yeah. smack about that. I like to talk smack to the other guys on the tour, whoever yeah. whoever I know is very anti-Boston. Like I know Which is Colt pretty most. much everyone. Yeah, I like to when the Patriots play well. I like to remind Colt about the Patriots and the that, and he's a Cowboys fan. Though that's fun. I like to do that, but yeah. I do less now than ever. I mean, obviously, your accent and your your sporting truth, You're New England to the bone. I mean, I love the the ski racing background of, of your life. Tell me your best slash worst memory from, from those days. Well, I, for the longest time, was, was a better skier. Um, and what would happen was is I'd play golf all year, and then I'd be so excited to go skiing. And then once the skiing season was over, I'd be so excited to play golf, which I think in the, in the long run helped my golf. But um, the, the, I just remember being in that starting gate petrified scared <laughs> like i remember it'd be so cold yeah. in vermont we were, i remember yeah. we were at um, like smuggler's notch or something just brutal north yeah. facing mountain it's blowing and you're at the top of this uh, starting gate all by yourself similar to you are out here yeah and you're like this is now all of a sudden gotta go down this hill and i could crash and hurt myself yeah. but i didn't enjoy skiing as much as i enjoyed golf so I think that's probably why I leaned more towards golf. But skiing was a huge part of my life. Still, for my dad, it is. I mean, you, but you stuck with competitive skiing for a long time. Yeah, I did. I, I despite the fear. I did. Yeah, I mean, I down deep, I loved it. I guess, <laughs> but I, uh, it, I still love watching the Olympics, but I don't do it anymore. But I, 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 it was something that I was passionate about. Same thing. I was became obsessive about it and had to train and do do my best. What's your worst crash? I crashed. Um, I remember this specific crash. But back when I ski raced, they didn't. Now they have the all these rules about they line the 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 gates with protective fencing. Yeah. And when I was there, which is not that long ago, yeah. maybe fifteen years. You just keep sliding into the abyss. Right into the woods. I mean, I remember. <laughs> I remember this one GS where I I just took it a little too tight and it flipped me around. I went flying into the woods and I had a helmet on. I banged around, but I was, I was okay. Luckily I've never gotten hurt skiing, like broken a bone, which is partly why I don't do it. I feel like I'm due, but yeah, your time um, is coming. It's definitely, man, it's so it's such a dangerous sport. Are you contractually precluded from skiing? No, I'm not, but I would be, if I was ever hurt on this tour, knock on wood, and I had to sit at home and watch, I, that would be bad news for me. That that now then we got problems. Then I'm gonna like go crazy or something because at least when I'm, I can go out and work and put the work in and I'm all right. But I couldn't imagine going skiing and hurting myself and it would I'd be so I'd be depressed about it. I mean Phil broke the the biggest bone in the human body skiing. Like he was lucky. Yeah, a cool story about Phil. When I was in college, my dad lives in Jackson, Hole, Wyoming. Teaches yeah. skiing in the winter, and Phil came into Jackson, and. My dad got him and Amy as a private lesson to escort them around the mountain. So I was in college. My dad's like, "I'm gonna, I'm getting Phil Mickelson this weekend." As was a, that just random? Random. Yeah. I mean, I was in college. I, yeah. I never, he didn't. Yeah. And so I remember, call like, couldn't wait till the day was over to call and be like, "How was he? He's, <laughs> like, what's going on?" And then it's fun now because he remembers and when he talks to my dad they always talk about it and yeah. my dad it was the biggest tip my dad ever gotten which is not a big surprise <laughs> that's awesome yeah. but have you ever seen any video or footage of phil in the mountains yeah my, there's a picture he's a good skier yeah yeah there's a picture of him and my dad that he has in his 
in his house somewhere of oh, him cute. and Phil at the top of the mountain, which is it's cool yeah. to think it, just a few years later we'd be partners yeah. in the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Who who is the best skier on tour? Do we know this? I know uh who's really good? Is it Furek? No. Um uh, Phil is really good. I heard Bernard Longer's really good. Davis is really good snowboarder. Yeah. Uh but that's I'm not totally sure. I know Phil's a good skier. Yeah. So the whole kind of South Florida mafia interests me. Are you guys hanging out, paddleboarding together and, and all that? And how much a part of that scene are you? Well, I'm not as much like there's different groups of sections. Yeah. Right, break down the clicks for me. So it's Ricky, JT, that crowd. <laughs> yeah. I'm more with Jamie, John Curran, yeah. and then my buddies who aren't on the tour but yeah. uh, play mini tours. Um, and then, then there's some of the um, like the the younger crowd, like maybe Patrick Rogers and uh, Kevin Tway, all those guys. But yeah. it's it's fun. Um, like I said, you'll, it's very rare that we don't go out to dinner. And run into somebody. If you go to the Woods Tigers restaurant, yeah. you're gonna run into JT. Yeah, you're gonna run into Kevin Tway, and it's it's fun. You'd think it would be a little annoying just because we're with each other all the time, but it's actually great. I mean, yeah. it's it's fun. I think the tour now. I wouldn't know back in the day, but the tour now has become a tighter group of guys, where it's more so maybe more like the European tour used to be, or right. maybe even like it was when I played on the web. Guys are hanging out more going out to dinner, people are close friends, so it's fun. That kind of rubs some of the old-timers the wrong way, you know, that these, these guys are too chummy and they're not cutthroat enough. What's your rebuttal? Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I'm not I'm, – I'm separate from that cr- crowd. I have a group of friends I grew up with that I went to college with that we hang out pretty much with Johnny. But they're, they're close. I mean, these guys are close, and they're, you know, going up against each other every week. That's not something I probably maybe I wouldn't do as much as they are, but everybody's such everybody's such good guys out here for the most part. That's one of the things that surprised me so much when I came out on tour, was how helpful everybody was. The veterans would go out of their way. Phil would go out of their way to help us, which doesn't happen much in any other sport. That's disappointing. You don't have beef with anybody. There's there's no I mean, one who, who bugs you. Me and. Um, Miguel Jimenez aren't best friends. I know that. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, listen, I always have thought on this tour to do my best to stay under the radar as much as I can because these guys, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're playing against each other but indirectly. Yeah. So if you can feel comfortable out here, it's going to help you play better. So – Everyone remembers the little beef that you got into with Miguel. I'm glad you brought that up, as a matter of fact. <laughs> um, how did that play out after the fact? I mean, did you guys ever have a have a, a, a peace summit? And, no, we know, never did. I mean... It's gone unaddressed this whole time? Well, the thing is, the thing is, is he play. He's 50 now. He plays the senior tour. Right. And he plays the European tour, so... Really, we never can run into each other other than maybe if he qualifies for a major or something yeah. like that. Um, but we haven't – I bet you I've seen him literally a couple times since that, like literally yeah. been in front of him. Um, I don't think we're – that will probably never happen. It's not that – listen, we we 
it was a weird thing. It's a, it's embarrassing. I can't even watch it. And it seems like around the match play when I go on Instagram, it it's pops up. Right. My buddies are all sending it to me, and I have to click out. But it's more embarrassing. I mean, it's stupid. I I get pretty intense on the course, as a lot yeah. of people know. And he's a he's a gamer, and yeah. he got me. He yeah. got me got me um, in a weird spot. Was that really the lesson when? In, in match play or a team setting like that, that you have to rein yourself in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm wound. I mean, when I'm out in the course, it's it's a battle the whole day, in, in, internally, you know, everything is every. It's not like I watch a lot of guys playing. It seems so effortless and flowing. And for me, it's different. I'm, I'm, battling. I'm going through every shot, and I'm, I'm emotional. So, that was a moment where got the best of me it got the best of him too i mean yeah. I, I i'm very protective of my caddy my, my caddy's part of my team like just like just like if if somebody was on the celtics went after you one of your players you'd stick yeah. up for him so yeah. um i think we both were were in the wrong but um i'll never that'll never happen again i hope we'll we'll cast you as danny ainge in that scenario <laughs> yeah. i mean i think that's actually pretty good yeah yeah it could be <laughs> so if, if you could inject some of that mellowness into your blood, whether you siphoned it from Jason Duffner or whomever, would that help you if you could just be more carefree? Or Yeah, I I look at Dustin and I see a guy who genuinely, he, he, he the best way to put it is, because I know, I know Dustin well, he, he cares deeply. He wants to be the best, but if he... Anything in his life, if something goes wrong, he's just like, oh, all right, I'll deal with it and move on, and that's the way he does it. And nothing seems to really bother him, and that's something that I, I uh, envy about him, and that's something I'm trying my best to do, which I'm getting better at um, lately for sure. Try Is that like specific mental exercises you do? I mean, yeah. How, how do you actually change who you are between the ropes? Yeah, well, that's the thing. You, you, people tell you to, you're trying too hard. It, you can't just go, okay, I'll try less. It's work. It's just yeah. the same as me going out in the range and hitting balls for an hour. Yeah. I work with a, a Greg Carton, who's a, a mental coach, I guess you'd call him. Yeah. And we work on it every day. I mean, I one of my things is trying to acknowledge when I'm uncomfortable on the course or uncomfortable on a shot. I just acknowledge it to myself. I don't try to fight it. I don't try to say, like I hear a lot of guys say, if there's out of bounds right, just don't think about it. Yeah. Which is like if you try not to think about something, I feel like it's the first thing you think about. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to just acknowledge that maybe that's how I feel and just try to accept it and not fight it. And that's that's been helping a lot. And even like talking it saying it out loud to your caddy? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean I it, the the better the more I just accept what's going on, the more I try to fight it is when things get uncomfortable and maybe not working. So you're not feeling the best with your swing and you're not putting and then you're fighting that feeling that's when it gets away from you i I mean at this level how much of success is mental how much is physical i think that for like guys who are supernaturally gifted who don't practice a ton it's all mental for guys that have to aren't don't hit it 400 yards and you know then it's a little more physical but they're most of the time when you see a guy who doesn't hit it very far and is a good player, they're mentally really strong. So I think it's per player. But you Dustin, you look at Dustin, he's he's 
very, very mentally strong. Rory's the same way. All these guys. So they they go about their way. They play differently. But I, I remember that uh, watched Dustin make a 15-footer last week at um, wherever they were, the, the Wells Fargo. Yeah. And he didn't even – he just waved to the crowd. If that was me – I would have gone berserk. I would have been jumping around. Fist like That's rib. what I live for. Yeah, yeah like it rip. <laughs> and it's just different aspects. So for him, mentally could be could be everything. Yeah, that's interesting. I remember Dustin. I mean, years ago, this is like two thousand and nine. We were talking about his his on course philosophy. He said, "Well, there's only two outcomes to every shot. Either it's a good one or a bad one. So who cares? Just hit it." Yeah, I know. Well, that's it's genius. That's it. Yeah, I. Yeah, he's. Yeah, he's he's. What he does does a lot of things really well. I mean, you've been on tour long enough now. You caught you caught the end of of Tiger when he was, uh, you know, still Tiger, and then you you've been through Rory. You've been through all these different hot streaks. Jordan, everyone else. What Dustin is doing right now, how impressive is that to you? I I can't believe that. I mean, I not in the way how good he is, but just how incredible he can just take a month off and almost win again. And uh, I feel like I can tell a difference in the quality of play throughout the tour, even from when I started till now. It's so strong. So to do it now more than ever seems, to me, it's very, very impressive. And, you know, I've been playing with Dustin for so long. He's He's been playing like this forever. Something has changed to where he's putting it all together now more often, but he's always been probably the most talented player. And... It's good to see him doing what he's doing. The, the idea of talent interests me. I mean, no one is no one is born knowing how to play golf. It's a it's a learned behavior. I mean, we all have different physical tools, maybe. But is are, is golf talent just something you're given, or he just developed it from an early age? Well, I feel like uh, also now more than ever, and this is to to Tiger's career that even the best athletes are going towards golf. I feel like the before kind of the wasn't the best athletes play golf. Now you're seeing some of the best athletes, great athletes play golf. And I feel like Dustin could have played any sport. It's just, he chose golf. Maybe he was the best at it, but now you're seeing guys that are grew up playing all sports. Like I know Smiley Kaufman was a point guard. Um, I grew up skiing. I played every sport. You talk yeah. to more guys than ever grew up, and they played every sport, as opposed to I think maybe years ago you played golf. That was it. And I always tell parents that have your kids play every sport as long as they can because it actually helps your golf in the long run. He, playing other sports will help you do anything. Yeah, Jordan was a pitcher and, right. and a shooting yeah. guard. I mean – all, all these young guys in Florida, will you ever play pickup basketball or your bodies are just too valuable? Well, I we play like pig. We're just like the, like <laughs> can't the, get hurt. Yeah, the can't get hurt kind. But like, I, everybody, Duffner is really good basketball player. Like, he can really shoot. Really? Like, these guys, like all these guys, at, at Byron Nelson, they have a, uh, in the hotel there, the host hotel is on the course, they have a half court. And there's always pig games going on. Team pig that we play. And um, like Steve Marino can really shoot. Duffner can really shoot. DJ can really shoot. Um, it's fun. We play pig so no one gets hurt. Or at least I do. I'm going to be there this week. I might check that out. Yo, they'll, they'll be going on for sure. <laughs> so the, the Duffner thing is interesting because you guys are kind of linked in the public imagination because of the playoff at the PGA Championship. But then you coming back and give him the hug after after he broke through. How, how do you explain your, your chemistry? 
Well, we have a really weird, like it's, Duffner's a, he's a beauty. I mean, he's, <laughs> man, he can get under my skin more than anybody. He gives it to me. But at the same time, you know, he'll rail you and then he'll say something so nice and like really helpful. And uh, to me, he's my favorite player to watch play golf on the tour. I'm, the way he can play and hit the golf ball and hit shots, it's it's unbelievable. Honestly, I, it's it's shocking sometimes. And I really started to really kind of look at him as a measurement of how to play golf on the tour. And so when the after the PGA Championship, there was about a year or so where we didn't we weren't it's not that we weren't friends, we just didn't know each other. Yeah. And then at the Shark Shootout in, I think, 12 or 13, I was walking by him, and he goes, you know your ball was going in the water on 17. It didn't hit the hole, the long putt I made. <laughs> and I, I looked at him and laughed. I said, but it didn't. It went right in the bottom of the cup. And then ever since then, you know, we <laughs> – That was been, his greeting, just yeah, totally cold? I was walking by him and chirped at me in his grumpy <laughs> voice. And uh, then, you know, I just I just envied the way – I really love the way he plays golf, and – I even love the way he putts. He he has trouble, but when he gets his when he starts putting well, he's actually a really good putter. I yeah. I'm impressed. I'm more impressed playing with him than than almost everybody on the tour. That's interesting because he's not crazy long. You're just talking about the ability to shape shots. Oh, it's, yeah, and he is like he can hit it long under the right conditions, like this week where it's firm. Yeah. He'll hit it long. He'll hit it. I mean, he probably his ball speed's probably high. You know, it's in the 70s, which is 170, which is pretty fast. But um, I just. Everything he does in the golf course is efficient. Every ball flight's the right height. Every drive, he hits this low driver that I always joke with him about. It's good. And I really think he's he's just impressive to watch. You know, obviously he went through some struggles with his marriage broke up and all that. How much, you know, peer-to-peer will you reach out to a guy and talk about things beyond golf? Yeah, I mean, Duffner and I have a have – a, weird relationship where most of it is just like joking around with each other <laughs> but you know anytime duff or anybody on the tour is going through something you feel for him because in the in the like you say we're in this all together like i said earlier and it's weird because you you get to know their families they get to know yours and then there's sometimes when they break up it's weird so um you know, you, you let them kind of go through it on their own, but you're always there for them if they need something. Beyond, you know, the, the little South Florida crew that you talked about, I mean, how cliquish is the tour? Yeah, it's it's big time. Yeah, it's the, the guys from the South hang together. The Georgia golf team hangs together. They're, they got 20 guys out here, it seems like. Um, the older guys, they're together. Um, the California guys, you know, it's, it is – the like everybody's got their Tuesday game, yeah. Um, uh, but uh, it's definitely a lot of click. The families, like I, when I first came out on tour, I hung out the most with Chris Kirk. Yeah, we roomed together, and then he got married and had a kid, and it's just he's in a different world than I'm in. <laughs> so then, you know, but now now that I'm married, we've been playing a few more practice rounds. It's fun to be around him, but he's welcomed you back. He's welcomed me back, but it's, it's you, (laughs) people are at different stages of their lives. Like I'm now 30 and some of the guys on the tour are 21, 22. Now all of a sudden I'm not one of the younger guys and it's, it's different. Just a bunch of knuckleheads. Yeah. (laughs) So for you, 
when, when you start talking about having kids, it, it is, are you trying to plan it in the context of your career? Like, just give me five more good years. I got to win a few tournaments, get some Ryder Cups, and then we can do it? Or how does that discussion go? Well, it, it's, it's interesting because everybody that has a kid, every player has said that it helps their golf because it gives – they relate it to me especially because it gives you a life outside the course, which would only be better for me. Yeah. And so I'm not scared at all to have a kid now or later. I I feel like any sort of good stuff like that helps you as a person, as a player, and will give you some perspective. Perspective is always good in this game, and so I'm up for whatever. But, you know, they have to say that. They can't say, yeah, the kid ruined my golf. That is true. They do say, you know, you're not going to sleep as much and stuff. But that is that is very true. I guess they couldn't say that. They couldn't say that. That changes everything then. Yeah. I mean, I always say to Phil, you know, at, at Pinehurst, you, you don't leave. The kid would have to carry around the rest of their life. I cost my dad the U.S. Yeah. Open. Bring the trophy into the delivery room. Yeah, Who cares totally. if you're an hour late? I mean, so, come on. Yeah, I, don't, I know. It. It's, that is true. I, I That would be difficult. But um, I mean that that whole that whole concept of you know you talk about you need a life away from golf. You made a few allusions to your your sort of intensity or your 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 nature. Give me some other examples of of how persnickety you are. Uh, like this this past week, I've I've using a new putter and I bring it home every night and have to hit bring the stupid mirror with the eyes and I in the living room and hanging with Jill, but I'm over there hitting the putts and doing the thing. And then today I, I was, I was, I grabbed my putter to bring it home and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to leave it. And I'm not going to do that this time. I'm just going to let it sit there. Wow. And it's like date night. Yeah, it is. It is. And you know, <laughs> it's difficult for me to leave what happens at the course here. I'm, my brain is going and I already, you know, tonight when I'm laying in bed, I'll be thinking about all the shots that I got to hit tomorrow at the players. Um, I'll be thinking about 17, thinking about 18. It's just impossible not to. Thinking about, you know, okay, the wind's out of the south, southeast. Okay, so the first shot is going to be in and off the left, and this hole's going to be this, and then all of a sudden you're going through every hole. Um, and that can be detrimental. You've got to turn your brain off. But that's sort of some of the things that, will be going through my head for sure how do you sleep well yeah sometimes you don't but sometimes my dad always tells me when i can't when i was younger can't sleep just go play around the golf in your head and then you fall something happens i've always fall asleep but uh it's part it's something that i have to work on you know it's it's a negative for sure because like a lot of the tour pros say once you leave the course you gotta leave it and that'll actually help you stay fresh and, and play well. And that's something that I'm working on. I mean, it's somewhat amazing you haven't burnt yourself out completely by now. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It, um, Jill has been, Jill, that's that's probably the reason. Uh, you know, we go on vacations and do stuff and have fun, go to dinner. And we, uh, we have a boat that we take out from my house that we drive around and that we love that. She's, she's helped me a ton with, with that aspect of my life for sure. What does a tour pro do on vacation? Like, where do you go? Because you go to the nicest place in the world for your yeah, job. Yeah, I know. It's like we uh, we like to go to Baker's Bay, which is you run into more golfers there. <laughs> uh, I remember I was going the first time. Ricky was gone, and I was so thought I was so cool. I wasn't going to bring my clubs. 
It's just going to leave them. And Ricky was going, you have to bring your clubs. And sure enough, I packed them and we played every day. <laughs> so, um, but we go, I went, um, I went with my buddies to Atlantis and we played cards and hung out. Um, yeah. we went to Jill and I went to Italy on our honeymoon, which is fun. But, uh, I'm doing vacations now, no clubs. So yeah. that, that helps. That's her rule. Yeah. Well, that's my, that's both of our rules for sure. What's the longest you've gone without hitting a golf ball since you turned pro? I would probably say my honeymoon, which was ten days, nine days. And normally, if I if I play a tournament, I'm on the road. I'll take Monday, Tuesday off. Sometimes I'll take Monday, Tuesday off, then play Wednesday or yeah. come back Wednesday. But I don't take a lot of time off. I part of it is I enjoy it. I love playing. So to me, going out and playing with MJ or going out and playing with my buddies is not work. That's almost an off day. It's fun. I enjoy it. So you're in some little hill town in Tuscany. Are you like working on positions in the mirror? Like, <laughs> no, how much are you missing? That it? week I wasn't at all, which was good. But I'm always in the back of my mind working. You know, I think a lot of these guys are. They may not admit it, but there's always a thought of something that you're excited to go. I love to get working on something where you feel excited to go to the course and, and work on it. I mean, Phil is the same way. Phil loves the game. And that's why he's been so successful. That's why he he loves changing clubs and getting excited about a new driver, a new ball, and that gets him going. I mean, that's he's he's the same. That he goes through the same stuff. I feel like. So I mean, you were a, a late bloomer with golf, and now you've been out on tour for closing on you know a better part of a decade. Where are you in your career? I mean, where where do you go from here? So I feel like I'm at the beginning of my of a new career. I feel like this is going to be – I still have great golf to, to play. And I got a great team. I got a, my coach, Darren May from Bears, is just the best. He's helped me dramatically. Greg. And I was in a bad spot last year, early last year. I was in trouble. I mean, it was it was ugly. So uh, I, got a, I got such a great group of people around me to help me and – Help me with my practice routines, with the way I'm thinking on the course, and and um, I just feel like I'm in a good spot with Jillian and everything, and, and things are in the right spot to where this is going to be the second career. I think all these guys go through, you know, they have this maybe when they were single, then when they have a family, it's just different. You know, you go through different stuff. So that's what I that's what I feel like. All right, well, we're rooting for you, Keegan. Only because we want to hear the trash talk. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. This is great fun. Thanks for doing it. Thanks, bro. All right. Okay, well, this has been fun. Thanks to all of you for listening. I appreciate your loyalty. There will surely be more Knockdown podcasts coming your way soon. I will let you know. Until then, this is Alan Shipanuck signing off. Uh-huh.